Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. We have a great episode today with Michael Reed, one of the top DUI lawyers in all of St. Louis. This podcast is powered by Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, Tom James Company, NWOIT Services, and Synchrony HR. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to take the time to thank you for listening to this episode and the continued support of this podcast. If you haven't done so, please like, subscribe, and share these episodes to help us all out here at the STL Leaders Podcast. And now it's my honor to welcome Michael Reed to the show. Michael Reed, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, sir. Uh, and I, I appreciate you, Brian, for inviting me to uh, this podcast. And hopefully we can give uh, the people out there a good bit of information that they can use if they ever do get pulled over by a police officer. Yeah, well, let's yeah, let's dive into that. Obviously, we got Memorial Day coming up here uh, this coming up weekend. So let's dive into the do's and the don'ts. Uh, I think these a lot of people, including myself, have always had questions around these. I would, I would preface first and foremost, don't drink and drive. Uh, but, you know, there's instances where that, you know, un- unfortunately happens. But, you know, I, I want to make it clear here again, this, is, this podcast, this episode is not condoning drinking and driving by any means. Uh, so please don't do that. But uh, let's dive into kind of what happens if that uh, un- unfortunate circumstance happens and dive into, you know, DUIs. And let's kind of start with if you get pulled over and you have been drinking, what should you do and what should you not do? Well, first things first, Brian, a lot of people don't realize that DUIs not only encompass drinking and driving, which you can actually and truly be arrested and charged with a DUI for as little as having just one drink and driving. So it's not this magical 0.08 number that everybody likes to say. That's a different kind of beast. Uh, that is what the police call a per se uh, DUI, which is it is a presumptive you're intoxicated if you are over that level. But also you can be charged in Missouri. And now this is a big thing that I'm seeing with what's called a DUID or a DUI drug, which is say you come over to Illinois and you purchase your weed totally legal and you then drive back over to Missouri and you've either smoked a little bit over there or you smoke some here that stays in your system for a while. And in Missouri, it is per se illegal to have that substance in your system. So that's a biggie also. So it's not just the alcohol or the liquor, but it's also the drug. What should you do with the DUI? 
that's a question I get asked a lot, that and the question, should I blow? And what you should do with the DUI is, of course, always cooperate with the police. Pull over, uh, put your hands on the wheel, shut the engine off, have your insurance, have your driver's license ready, and cooperate. Now, what does that mean? That does not mean you've got to do these, what I call uh, field agility exercises, which are uh, touch your nose, walk in a straight line, hold your foot up, and the eye wiggle exercise. And understand, these are not scientifically proven or validated tests for drugs. And they're really kind of set up to make you fail. And most importantly, realize this. A, you don't have to take these tests. B, you don't have to blow into the machine. You don't have to do either of those. So my general advice that I could give is if you've had anything to drink, don't necessarily blow, or I will say hypothetically, I wouldn't blow in to these machines that are out on the field. And you don't have to. Now at the station, it's a different ordeal, and that's what's called an evidentiary breath test. And they can suspend your license if you don't blow. What a lot of people don't realize and the officers tell you is if you blow, there's gonna be an automatic suspension of your driving privileges. That's a misstatement of the law. You still have the ability to contest whether that officer had probable cause to arrest you. And a good lawyer can do that and a lot of times win because probable cause is not as easy to prove as a lot of people say. And also in Missouri, not in Illinois, you have the right to call a lawyer. I always say, have that lawyer on speed dial. A good lawyer will answer and they will give you legal advice. In Illinois, you don't necessarily have that right to call an officer before you make decisions. So my advice, and understand this is not a legal binding contract with anybody, and I have to preface with that, I would not presume or do these field agility tests because they're designed to fail. I've, never, I've seen a lot of sober people who cannot pass it. And the right. last time I saw somebody walk in this manner was when they were, uh, one of the Walindas was walking on a tightrope. So I wouldn't perform them and I wouldn't do that portable breath test. One example, and I'm going to be doing an example of this on my website and I may invite you over to actually participate in it. Absolutely. Well, so, so just to kind of, re, re, yeah, no, just to re kind of cap that, um, don't blow at the breathalyzer when you get pulled over. Don't do the field agility test that you referenced, um, because those can be, you know, hard to do even when you're sober, let alone if you've had one, one cocktail or one drink. But let me ask Correct. you, you made a comment about when, now when you get to the police station, if they obviously arrest you for the DUI, um, they can, they can force you to blow there or, or should you, should you blow there? I guess that's that a little, a little clarification there. That's a little bit of a different piece because the one out in the field is not even useful. I mean, if you eat a piece of pizza, it can register on that machine. And that's what we were talking about. The one at the station is called an evidentiary. The one in the field is called a preliminary. That evidentiary one, they can use your refusal there against you but a good lawyer can help you out there. And it's a little bit different. They have to give you a 20 minute west, uh, waiting period before they blow it and all of that. But understand, and my advice isn't necessarily you should or shouldn't blow. If you've not had a drink, blow into the machine. If you've not smoked weed, blow into the machine. It won't show if you smoked weed anyway. But what I'm talking about is that gray area, depending upon age and any number of other factors, how much you've had to drink. 
those machines are not as accurate as a lot of people want to say. And Missouri and Illinois are one of the few states that they only have to make you blow once into the machine so it can be a totally inaccurate reading. Gotcha. Another thing is, and this is really kind of critical, that that refusal, if they get probable cause based on that refusal, they can actually draw your blood. They can make you pee in a cup. They can get a warrant to do those things, but they have to get a warrant. So again, my best advice is have that lawyer on speed dial. And there are a number of apps that you can get on your phone that I would suggest you um, record it. You record that instance. Okay. So let's say you get charged with a DUI. Let's say you get charged with a DUI. What are the five deadly sins that you should avoid when you're hiring a DUI attorney? So you mentioned having that attorney on speed dial. What what should you what should you look look for when you're actually, you know, because I, I can't imagine a lot of people um, you know, go out and interview DUI attorneys hoping that they'll never have to use them. So kind of give me some guidance there. All right. And and hiring a good attorney, and again, look at their credentials. There's a list of questions you can ask. One, how much of their practice is DUI-based? My practice is about 95-plus percent DUI-based. It's all I do. Ask them for references. If this is a good attorney, they should be able to give you references of cases they've done. Ask if you can go watch them. This is your livelihood. This is your ability to drive, your credit rating, your ability to get a bank loan. All of these things can be impacted. Attorneys and professionals, your licenses can be impacted. CPAs, accountants, all of that. Licenses can be affected. The next thing is just get and see how you feel you vibe with them. This is a person you're going to have to trust with everything. You're going to have to tell them all the secrets. One of the first things I tell my clients is literally I can handle what I know it's what I don't know that's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Tell yeah. me everything. And the other thing is I've seen so many attorneys who take on a DUI case. And I know attorneys in this area. The basic fees range from $500 to $10,000 for a first-time DUI. I actually wrote the book in Missouri on how to do a DUI that judges and these other attorneys are going to use. And what amazes me is so many of these attorneys do not have a basic understanding of the law, but what they do is they get the client to come in, oh yeah, I'll take care of it and charge them 500 to $1,000 just going to plead them out. Don't get me wrong, in a lot of cases, there are no alternatives but to plead someone out, but that should not be the first alternative. And a lot of these attorneys do. If they tell you they're going to wrap your case up in 30 days and you're going to need to do a class and stuff like that, they are planning to plead you guilty and that DUI will stay on your record for a number of years and they haven't even looked at discovery yet or heard your case. The other thing that people need to know is at the end of the day, Illinois has got what's called supervision. An attorney will tell you supervision is not a conviction, and this is true, but it is still going to show up on your driving record as a DUI that it can affect credit and any number of things. So really get to know the attorney that's going to handle your case. Don't just walk in because like you said, 
most people hope to goodness never have to deal with this situation. So they don't know. Right. And these attorneys can walk you through without anybody knowing. Yeah. So let's talk about the punishment for a DUI. Let's say, you know, unfortunately you've, you've, you've now been arrested for it. You've been charged with it. Uh, what is the likely punishment for someone on a first-time offense for a DUI? On a first-time offense for a basic DUI, you're not going to jail. You're going to pay a fine. Uh, you're going to have to complete a class. Uh, it's called a victim impact panel. What this victim impact panel is, is you go to a one-day class. They teach you, for lack of a better word, the bad things about drinking, driving, alcohol, and what it does. You're likely going to pay a fine. And that fine is going to be anywhere from, I've seen it range from $1,000 up to $3,500 to $4,000. This is for a basic first-time DUI. Uh, then you're going to have to pay for the reinstatement in Illinois. And you're going to have to go do a formal hearing. You're going to be on probation. You're going to have to get what's called an ignition interlock monitoring device or an IIND put in your car that... When you start your ignition, you have to blow into a basic breath test, a breath machine. As you're driving down the road, you're going to have to blow into it randomly. And that in and of itself, you've got to be ready for. You've got to have it in your car. You can lose your driving privileges. The true cost of a DUI, while that, those numbers may seem big, the true cost of a DUI can be upwards of $20,000 to $30,000. Uh, there was a report recently put out that basically put it at $25,000 when you look at alternate transportation, the fines, the court costs, the classes, the loss of driving privileges. And then there's a stigma attached to it. I've had a couple of prosecutors say DUIs are one of the worst offenses that they can deal with because other things like drug charges and stuff like that, it's illegal. It's a crime. But it is not a crime, A, to drive. It's definitely not a crime, B, to drink. And what a lot of people don't realize is it's not even a crime to have a drink or two and go drive. Where the crime comes in is it, and this a lot of prosecutors need to realize and be able to prove, is it is only a crime to be driving while impaired. And I use the word impaired rather than intoxicated because impairment deals with alcohol and drugs. The other thing a lot of people don't realize is you can be taking prescription medications and be charged with a DUI. So there's all kinds of nuances there and the punishment can be huge. It can affect you for life. And those are just the economic punishments. Those aren't the stigma of being labeled a drunk driver. If you look at it, drunk driving, they have on the uh, television, they have on the radio, uh, and these groups, mad, sad, dare, and don't get me wrong, nobody wants to be on the road with a drunk driver, but these groups have stigmatized it such that it is worse in some places than murder. Yeah. And the, ba the bad problem with this is drunk driving is probably the most common interaction that the people have outside of a traffic ticket because they'll go to a party, they'll go to a barbecue. We're coming into summer and people are barbecuing and they have a beer or two during the day, it's hot outside, they get dehydrated, the alcohol starts impacting them. We're coming up on the holiday weekend and I wanna talk about a boating while intoxicated with you here in a bit, but you're driving home, you're driving down at the lake 
and you get pulled over because you didn't use your turn signal or something like that. And the next thing you know, you're charged with a DUI. Right. That's how most people have the real serious interactions. And more often than not, you may not even feel like you're impaired or intoxicated. If you think about it, one drink, one can of beer can ruin your entire life. Yeah. That's almost the circumstances you're looking at. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's talk about boating. Uh, obviously, Memorial Day weekend's a big time down to the Lake of the Ozarks, and I know I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode will be heading to the Lake of the Ozarks. So is there a difference between a DUI while driving and a DUI versus boating? Well, not only is there a difference there, but there is also a difference between Missouri and Illinois. And we've got a lot of Illinois drivers here that go down to the Lake of the Ozarks and hop in the boat and think they're good, and they're slamming back um, a couple beers, having a good time. And the next thing you know, the water patrol pulls them over. Understand, water patrol, unlike with a police officer on the street that has to have a reason to pull you over, water patrol uh, down at the lake doesn't have to have a reason to pull you over. They can literally pull you over because they want to check to see how many life preservers you have, okay? And they can give you what's called a boating while intoxicated charge uh, which down at the Lake of the Ozarks is in essence nothing more than an ordinance violation. It's kind of less than a traffic ticket. Uh, it's like a fishing license violation. Typically a $500 to $1,000 fine and you're told don't come back to uh, the lake this, this season. Come back next season, please, and spend your money. Or come back and visit the resort, just don't go on the lake. And what then happens is they hire an attorney and I'm licensed in both Missouri and Illinois, and I see this all the time, um, where you go to the Lake of the Ozarks, you hire an attorney down there, and there are plenty of good attorneys down there. They just don't deal with a boating while intoxicated. There are Missouri-Illinois crossover, what I'll call a trans-jurisdictional DUI. They then say, oh, this is just a fine, pay the fine, and you're done. What happens then, however, is total insanity. You get charged with a boating while intoxicated in Missouri. You come back over to Illinois, and Illinois actually recognizes boating while intoxicated charges as a regular driving while intoxicated. You get your Illinois driver's license, car driver's license, suspended for six months to a year, et cetera, depending upon how it crosses over. Because realize, you probably pled guilty to that boating while intoxicated charge. And now your license is in the great state of Illinois, if your license is suspended on a DUI and say you get pulled over for another DUI or you get pulled over, if you get pulled over for another DUI, which I've seen happen, that can be charged as a felony. So you've got a boating while intoxicated ordinance violation that you don't know your license is suspended because the attorney didn't tell you down in Missouri your license is going to be suspended. You're back here in Illinois driving on a suspended license. And you, for whatever reason, go out to a party later on during the season or one of the holidays, 
you get intoxicated, you get another DUI, that's a felony. Yeah. At that point, basically the prosecuting attorney literally asks if you go to court like three questions. Did you pull the person over? Did you run the driving record? What was it suspended for? And you just committed the felony and you have no idea that you did this. Right. And on top of that, when you're looking at a multi-jurisdictional issue, in Illinois, if you get a DUI, you can get a hardship driving privilege that'll allow you to keep driving. In Missouri, if you get a DUI, you can get a hardship driving privilege that will allow you to continue driving. However, if you live in one state or the other and you get a DUI in the other state, say for instance, you live in Missouri and you get a DUI in Illinois, you can't get that hardship driving privilege. So your license is potentially suspended. And here's the next thing. It will not be suspended until you go to renew your license. So in other words, it'll show valid in Missouri, valid in Missouri, and then your driver's license comes up for renewal and you go into the DMV to renew your license. And they tell you due to the what's called the interstate point compact, oh no, you have to clear up this issue in Illinois. You've then been driving on a suspended license for who knows how long. You then have to come over here to Illinois and do what's called a formal hearing before a hearing officer, an attorney. It's almost like another mini trial to convince these formal hearing officers that you should be allowed to drive. There's fees attached to that. I would never suggest you go to that without an attorney simply due to the complication there. And they can basically refuse to allow you to drive, which then costs you who knows what, because remember, again, you can't get those hardship driving privileges. Right, right. So let's switch gears a little bit to marijuana. Obviously, it's a growing industry. Uh, Missouri has legalized it from a medicinal purpose. Illinois has legalized it for medicinal and recreational purposes. So my question is, can you get a DUI um, by smoking marijuana or chewing it or eating it? Or, or I guess there's you know, a, a lot of ways now you can, you can consume cannabis. Um, so can you get a DUI by consuming cannabis, even though, you know, in Illinois, it's legal from a recreational perspective. And then, you know, from Missouri, it's, it's legal from a medicinal purposes. And, and two, if you can, then how do they, how do they test that? And how do you know if you've had too much or, 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 or you're good to drive? Uh, your second question, I kind of chuckled at because even the state, even Missouri doesn't know. I mean, unfortunately, however, what you've got is any amount of marijuana in your system in the state of Missouri when you're driving is illegal. Look at it as kind of like a prescription medication. You may have a prescription for oxycodone, for example. That does not mean you cannot be charged with DUI. And that's why I call it impairment. It doesn't necessarily have to be intoxication. It's basically, are you impaired? And that's why most of the prescription warning labels say, don't operate vehicles or heavy machinery while you're on this uh, prescription medication. The same thing applies with cannabis. And what I see a lot of now is, and it's in the other states where it's been legal, and there's a border state that has it still illegal, you will see a lot of people going between the states, be it to get their marijuana or just traveling between the states, that when they come back, so for instance, somebody comes over to Illinois, I go between Missouri and Illinois any number of times in a given week, they're going back to Missouri, they commit a traffic infraction, and this scenario is going to sound like a nightmare. 
They commit a traffic infraction. They're pulled over. The officer sees that they've been to the local dispensary. That gives him probable cause to ask someone to get out to do these field agility exercises. They fail these field agility exercises, or even worse, the officer skips straight to this PDT, this preliminary breath test, and says, blow into this. You refuse, that's probable cause for them to get a blood test. Or if you blow and you've only been smoking or chewing your edibles or doing your cannabis, it's gonna show zeros on that machine. Why? Because there's no alcohol in your system. That's gonna give them probable cause to get a blood test, at which point it's gonna show potentially a little bit of uh, marijuana in your system because here's the other thing. Unlike alcohol that dissipates in an hourly time frame, marijuana can stay in your system for days, weeks, or months, at which point they run a, a blood test on you you have marijuana in your system, it is then your burden to show you weren't impaired. So now, and in Missouri, anything, um, any trace amount of marijuana in your system is potentially a per se, which means it is there, they've actually shown your impairment, you then have to potentially rebut it, that you're impaired because you've got it in your system, despite the fact that you may not have consumed in a week, a month, unlike alcohol that hits you really quickly. So that's another problem. And you get people who may have gone over to a dispensary just to get their weekly, monthly fix, legitimately just have it in the bag, haven't consumed it in the vehicle. They get pulled over for a minor traffic violation. And the next thing you know, they're looking at a DUI charge. So yeah, the short so answer is yes, you can be charged. Yeah, sounds sounds like a it can be very complicated as well. So as we wrap up this episode, I kind of want to just walk back, kind of recap what we talked about, and then I'm going to finish it by asking you to leave us with one piece of advice. But you know, kind of the beginning, we started talking about if you get pulled over, here are the do's and the don'ts, right? And and in your and your recommendation is, you know, if you haven't had nothing to drink, uh, go ahead and blow. If if there's even a gray area, your recommendation would obviously be be not to. And and then we talked a little bit about kind of what the punishment is if you get charged with one. And, and that can be pretty substantial. To your point, it, it's not just the fines and the uh, lawyer fees, but it can be on your record for you know years to come and it can affect your credit and everything along those lines. And then we finished up with you know cannabis as a, as a growing uh, industry in the United States and it's legal in Illinois and Missouri that can also you know clearly affect not only your driving record, but your life. And I you know the one thing I pull out about out of this entire episode is, Make sure that with any of that type of stuff happens, that you are choosing the right attorney that not only you feel comfortable with, but specializes in the uh, offense or charge that you've been charged with. That's obviously a very, very critical piece here. But Mike, I I'd ask you to leave us with one piece of advice today that if, if that instance would happen, if you got a DUI or, um, or you got pulled over, what's one piece of advice you would leave our listeners with today? If I can deviate from the one piece and actually give two real quick ones. First, a lot of people price shop lawyers, kind of like they price shop cars. My take on that is if you think hiring a good lawyer is expensive, hiring a bad lawyer can cost you everything. And that, that's my major biggie. Hire a good lawyer, interview them, do your research with the internet and everything now. You can research us lawyers. Hire right. a good lawyer. You're going to spend more money, but it's going to be worth it. My next bit of advice is if you've had anything to drink, blowing, don't blowing, 
to a good lawyer, again, that's not going to make a difference. If you didn't blow, they can deal with what's called a refusal case. They can make the arguments. If you did blow, they can make the arguments. So take a bit of advice. If you've consumed alcohol or whatnot, my advice would be if I were in that situation, I would not blow. If I haven't consumed alcohol, yeah, I would blow, but I'd be real cautious. Yeah. One last piece of advice I'll give everybody. Regardless of what you do, if you are pulled over for a DUI and you're taken to the station, as soon as you get out of that station, go to your local urgent care, hospital, whatever's close, and have them do a blood test. Because A, you don't have to turn it over, but B, that will show your impairment level. If it shows you're not intoxicated, that's a major score and a major coup for you. So no, think, those are my three bits of advice. Yeah, no, I think those are all good pieces of advice. And um, the last one I wouldn't have even thought about there, but going to the urgent care or something afterwards. So, you know, Mike, on behalf of the STA Leaders Podcast and myself, I appreciate you coming on here today talking about, you know, a situation that may or may not come up over Memorial Day weekend. Again, my piece of advice is don't drink and drive, don't drink and boat, don't don't do anything that's going to put you in that position. But it's always good to know what your options are if that instance ever comes up for either you or a friend or a family member. So on behalf of the S. Taylor's podcast, I appreciate you coming on today. Brian, I appreciate it. And before we go off, I would love to thank you. Thank you for letting me get on here and give these people some advice, give low, normal people advice on what to do. And thank you for having me. You are doing an amazing service here. I've listened to your podcast. And just getting this information out there, the random and the variety, there's something here for everybody. And I love it. I listen to it every podcast that comes out. And thank you for allowing me to reach your audience coming up on this holiday weekend, where one bad thought, one not thinking could impact their entire life. I don't think there's anything more that could drastically impact someone's life than this one bad choice. Absolutely. Michael, yeah. if anybody wants to reach out to you and connect with you, do you have a website that they can find you at? I do. Uh, the website is www.m for Michael Reed, R E I D law.com. That's M Reed law.com. Uh, they can even reach me directly at my portable phone that goes straight through to my phone of one three one four seven Oh three seven six Oh two. Call that number. If you do get pulled over or if you are having an issue, if you get pulled over while boating, those are the two easiest and quickest ways to get, in touch with me. If you've got questions that are based on these 10 questions you gave me, Brian, if they actually go to that website, they can download not only the questions, but when they download those questions, we will give them links to thorough comprehensive answers to some of the top 10 questions I've always gotten from clients when they come into my office. And those answers are in both video and uh, white page uh, written format. So, awesome, Michael. Yeah, I love the informed client. Thank Absolutely. you again, Brian. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Go Brand Go. To learn more, visit stlleaders.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Jay Merchinson.